Good morning. That's pretty good. It's great to see all of you. We welcome our visitors. Uh, we have several out. I know of some out due to sickness, some traveling, but we're delighted that you're here this morning. want to welcome members of the Mobile College Ministry that have joined us, and we appreciate you and glad you're here uh, this morning, bright and early. A lot of events on our calendar, uh, church calendar, and there'll be announcements at the conclusion of worship, but I did get this uh, update for the Storytime Brunch with Santa for the children, Lord willing, this coming Saturday morning, uh, 10 to noon, 10 a.m. to noon for babies through fifth grade. Uh, parents, grandparents, uh, your, your children are invited to wear their PJs. So less, less uh, effort to get them up and ready. They can just wear their PJs. But that'll be a lot of fun uh, this coming Saturday, among other events that that are slated, but we'll save that for, for announcements. I've always enjoyed the story that I read, the account of when Yogi Berra was, was catcher for the New York Yankees, and they're playing against the Milwaukee Braves in the World Series, and Henry Hank Aaron is up to bat. Yogi Berra was known for uh, his chatter behind the plate, by which he would encourage his teammates, but also kind of distract the, the batters as they came up. And, and he was trying to distract Hank Aaron on this occasion. And he said, Henry, you got, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it to where you can read the label. Well, Hank Aaron, as the story goes, didn't say anything, but the next pitch, he sent the ball into the left field bleachers for a home run. And as he rounded the bases and crossed home plate, he said to Yogi Berra, I didn't come here to read. I didn't come here to read. <laughs> I've always loved that story. But I want to pose this question for us to think about. Why are we here? Why are we here? Not just assembling together this morning, but why do we exist? What is our purpose in life? And I want to zoom in on a text in John chapter 15 for a few moments. John chapter 15 to find a purpose statement from the lips of our Lord Jesus. He said this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. I think that's a great purpose statement for us. We exist, we've been created to give glory to God. That's a, that's a purpose statement. We've been created to give glory to God. We've been preaching um, a, on a theme throughout this year, and this is the last installment on this particular theme. We've called it Less of Me in 23. And that little, uh, that's a mathematical symbol there, just before the, the word me. I looked it up, and it's called a chevron. I didn't know that till early this morning. But you see, the point is pointing to me, but the greater than is on the other side. It's less of me. So what would go on the other side, that which is greater than me, would be God. And so our purpose is all about giving God the glory, recognizing that he is greater than me. May it be said always of our lives, less of me and more of thee, more of God. So Jesus says our purpose, the reason for our existence, 
is to give glory to God. So it's not about me. It's all about, it's all about God. But also you see in this verse, in John 15, verse 8, that not only is this our purpose to glorify God, this is also, by bearing fruit, how we are uh, come to be known as Jesus' disciples. So shall you be my disciples. That's how we glorify God, by bearing fruit, and that's what characterizes us as Jesus' disciples. In fact, in this text about the true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. This is the last of the I am statements in the book of John. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And he's speaking of his disciples as those branches. But notice what else he says, if we don't bear fruit, if we don't fulfill our purpose. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I want to speak more about that tonight, Lord willing, at 6. Verse 6 also says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So Jesus is underscoring who we are as Jesus' disciples and why we're created, and that is to bear fruit, to glorify God, and to be known as Jesus' disciples. So I want to ask three questions in relation to these ideas. The first one is this. What does it mean to glorify God? What does it mean to glorify God? The word that's translated glorify here is, is used several times in Scripture with some different uses. And this is what uh, one lexicon says about the use of this term. It means to praise, to extol, to magnify, to celebrate. All of those are synonymous with this idea of glorifying God. It means to honor. It means, a third definition, to make glorious, to adorn with luster, clothed with splendor. With this one, however, this would not be how Jesus is using the word in this text. To make glorious. Because you can't make God more glorious than He is, can you? But we can call attention to His glory. And so that would be the usage that Jesus is using. To call attention to the glory that God has. There are two words that I want to suggest to you to help us understand what it means to glorify God. The first word is magnify. Magnify. And when I think about magnify, I think about a telescope. That you use a telescope to see something that's very far away. And through the telescope, it makes that which is far away appear larger so that we can see it more clearly. We are the telescopes. We are to be the telescopes for God. We are to help others see God more clearly. And in so doing, we are magnifying God. We are glorifying God. You remember Paul said this, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now, that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by, by death. That was Paul's consuming purpose. I want Christ to be magnified whether I live or whether I die. 
whether I go on living and ministering and sharing the good news of Jesus and encouraging new Christians. I want to magnify Christ. But if it, it involves my death, then may, even in dying, may Christ be magnified. May He be seen more clearly through me, His telescope. So magnify. We glorify God. We glorify Christ when we magnify them, uh, helping others to see them more clearly. Another term is reflect. Reflect. And I think about the moon. And the, when the moon appears in the sky, especially a full, full moon and on a cloudless night, it appears that the moon is just so bright. It seems luminescent. But really what it is, is this, the moon reflects the light of the sun. When we reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N, we glorify Him. That's our purpose. We want to reflect the light of the world that Jesus gives. To bring glory, to bring attention, to bring honor to, to Him as we reflect uh, His glory in our, own, in our own lives. So magnify, reflect, uh, two expressions of how we glorify God. That's what it means to glorify Him. Number two, how can we glorify God? What are some ways that we can glorify God through our lives? Well, the word fruit is used several times in Scripture. And as you follow this word, as it's used, we see some ways in which God was glorified through, through Christians. And let me show you a few of those. One way that we glorify God is by winning souls to Jesus. Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 13. Watch what Paul says. I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. What kind of fruit is he talking about? Keep reading. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as, in, as, it, as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul writes to these Christians in Rome, I wanna, I've been wanting to come to you to bear fruit among you. What kind of fruit? Well, then he talks about how he's a debtor to preach the good news of Jesus. The good news, the gospel, which is the power of God into salvation. We, he was saying, I want to bear fruit by bringing the message of Jesus to Rome and, and converting others to Christ because that's bearing fruit to the glory of God. So when we share the good news of Jesus with others, when we bring others to Christ, that is biblically bearing fruit, and that is glorifying God in so doing. So planting the seed of God's Word, uh, building relationships that, that uh, culminate in relationships about how, how we need to be reconciled to God through Jesus, all those types of relationships and conversations and seed planting, that's bearing fruit to the glory of God. Another way is this, by sharing with those who are in need. Romans 15, watch Paul's words here. 
But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are, they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of, this, of the spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have uh, sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. Fruit. What fruit is he talking about? In our Sunday morning class in the fellowship room, we've been studying through the book of Acts, just like you've been studying in the auditorium class. We're going to beat Mike, by the way, in finishing the book. <laughs> there's, there's pressure. Um, but we're in the midst of the third missionary journey. And Paul is visiting some of these places that he's written about. By the way, he writes the letter to the Romans during that third missionary journey. But as he's visiting Achaia and Macedonia, you know what he's doing? He's taking up an offering for suffering saints back in Jerusalem. Back in Jerusalem where the gospel was first preached as an accomplished fact on the day of Pentecost. Where the church was born. And from there, Christians were scattered by persecution. And then uh, people like Paul were intentional about leaving Jerusalem and going out and spreading the good news of Jesus, bearing spiritual fruit by bringing others to Christ. But now back in Jerusalem, the church there, the Christians there, they're struggling. And so Paul is making an appeal to these congregations, these new congregations, these new Christians. Let's remember our brothers and sisters back in Jerusalem. They're suffering. Will you help? And they gave a contribution. They were very generous. And so he's carrying back this fruit to these suffering saints in Jerusalem. And by sharing that fruit, not only is he helping those suffering saints, he is, he is glorifying God. In the same way, when we give of our means, we glorify God by so doing. And it involves giving to the work of the church to the mission efforts that we support, to the ministries that, that are ongoing. We have opportunity to, to give to these efforts generously so that, that the gospel can be shared in India and Africa and, and in Alabama and the United States and, and in Mobile, in our own Jerusalem. But we also bear fruit outside these walls when we minister to a friend, to a neighbor, to a stranger and share with them the blessings that we've received to the glory of God. Which brings us to a third way. We bear fruit and glorify God through our good works. You remember Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. By doing good to people, we're bringing glory to God. Paul prayed for the Christians in Colossae that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, being fruitful, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. A fourth way we can glorify God by bearing fruit is by developing Christ-like character. By developing Christ-like character. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 
is on the heels of Paul referring back to when Moses went up on the mountain and he came down and his appearance was changed. Do you remember that? He had to put a veil over his face because of his image. had been his, It was so bright, it was blinding, and it was scaring the people of Israel. And then Paul makes this comparison. He says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul says, as we observe, behold Christ and seek to emulate Him, we're being transformed. And the process is that, that, and the Holy Spirit assists with this, is that we are continually transformed more and more to the point where God's goal is for others to see Jesus in us. And when people see Jesus in us, and what, what would that look like? How about this? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, that's what Jesus looks like. And when others see these qualities, qualities of Jesus in our lives... When we reflect His Christ, His character, then we are glorifying God. Fifth way is doing what we're doing this morning in worship, is praising God and giving thanks. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. So glorifying Him in worship, magnifying His name, thanking Him for His blessings. That is glorifying God. Here's a good summary statement of our purpose. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In my studies this week, I ran across an article entitled, How to Drink Orange Juice to the Glory of God. That, was, that sounded strange to me, but I had to read it. And the more I read, the more I loved it. How, do you, how, to, how to drink orange juice to the glory of God. And this is what the, the, the author suggested. Number one. I will affirm that everything associated with this orange juice is a gift from God. The color of the orange juice, orange-yellow, that's a gift from God. The taste, the sweet taste, is a gift from God. The nourishment and the way my body uses it is a gift of God. The sun and the rain that enabled the, the, the tree to grow and produce this fruit, they are gifts from God. The trucking and the grocery chain that brought this to me is a gift from God. And you can go on and on, can't you? But acknowledging, even from this glass of orange juice that perhaps some of you had this morning, you can drink it to the glory of God by acknowledging that everything associated with that orange juice is a gift from God. Number two, how to drink orange juice to the glory of God. I will lift my heart and voice in prayer, thanking God. 
So not only recognizing the, the gifts associated with this glass of orange juice, but going the next step and actually thanking God for these gifts. Number three, I will remind myself that I do not deserve this juice. Again, acknowledging as a gift. By the way, what we deserve for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. God gives us what we don't deserve through his grace. When you've accepted that grace, then you're more likely to see every other expression of grace that God gives, every other blessing, including a glass of orange juice. Number four, I will remind myself that this particular pleasure, this taste, this coolness on my tongue, this nourishment reveals something of God to my senses and my soul that could not be known in any other way. And folks, if we adopted this attitude toward everything that we have, every seemingly small item such as a glass of orange juice, how looking at that, what that glass of orange juice is and what it does for us and realizing that this is an expression of God's goodness, if we had that mindset toward everything, how thankful would we be and how much more would we, we glorify God? Number five, then I will share this juice in love with others at the table. I won't hoard it all. Which reminds us that we give glory to God not only when we express our gratitude for these gifts, but when we share them with others. And finally, number six, I will use the strength that it gives me to live for the glory of God. Next time you drink a glass of orange juice or whatever it is, maybe it's a cup of coffee. Think about it. What is that cup of coffee? How can I glorify God through this cup of coffee? I think it's a healthy exercise for us. That's how we glorify God. Number three, finally, a question, third question. What is the key to glorifying God? What is the key? And Jesus gives us this answer in this text in John chapter 15. Bearing fruit to the glory of God is contingent on abiding in Christ. Again, I am the vine, you are the branches. Notice verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You may have the word remain. Uh, whether it's remain or abide, it's used about nine times in the first eight verses of John 15. It's a, it's a dominant theme here, concept. Abide in me, and he's speaking of the union of believers with Christ, apart from whom they can do nothing. Notice verse 5. I am the vine, <coughs> you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And he's using that same imagery. Of a, of a vine, a grapevine. A branch cannot bear fruit, cannot bear grapes, unless it's connected to the vine. You separate it from the vine, and it can bear no fruit whatsoever. We've got to be connected to the vine. And Jesus is saying, you must abide in me if you're going to kind of bear this spiritual fruit that glorifies God. Paul would echo, I can do all things, how? 
through Christ who strengthens me. Only as I'm connected to Christ can I bear fruit to the glory of God. So how do we abide in Christ? We can't bear fruit unless we abide in Him. How do we abide in Christ? The answer is by keeping His commandments. By doing the will of Jesus. Verse 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. What's the key to bearing fruit to the glory of God? It's abiding in Jesus. Being in union with Him. Finding our strength in Him. From that connection with Him, bearing fruit to the glory of God. (coughs) Why are you here? Why do you exist? What's your purpose? Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so will you be my disciples. Are you bearing fruit to the glory of God? Again, the key where it begins is our connection with Christ. And our connection not only enables us to bear fruit, our connection is the key to our salvation. It's only through Jesus that we're saved. And God loved us so much that even though we're sinners in His sight, He gave Jesus to die for us so that we can be reconciled to God by His cleansing blood. And when we confess our faith in Jesus, that He is the Son of God and that He died for us, when we turn from sin to follow Him as a way of life, what the Bible calls repentance, and we're baptized into Christ, His blood washes away our sins. We are reconciled to Him. We are connected to Him, the vine, and we are the branches. If if you've been connected to Him in those ways, are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? Is something causing you to not bear the fruit that is expected? that is to characterize followers of Jesus. If not, why not? It may be that our connection, as far as we are concerned, is is not what it should should be. And we need to reconnect with Christ through turning from sin and and repenting and, and coming back to Him and desiring to find our strength, our identity, our ability to bear fruit through Him. If you need to be reconnected or if there is uh, something weighing on your heart that you would desire the prayers of your church family, uh, we invite you to come right now as we stand and sing.